0: I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. Hi, dear listener, as you can tell, I'm sitting at the keyboard, at my piano. It's just after midday, on a weekday. I'm between lessons, I often teach first thing in the morning and then school gets out. Children come to me to learn the piano. And today, you know, is a day when it's mid-November and People may have heard there have been a lot of bushfires in Australia, which is where I live in Australia, Sydney, Australia. And today the atmosphere is just thick with haze and smoke. So it's not really easy for me to get out, actually. And on the one hand, I feel blessed that I work from home and can work without going out, and on the other hand, it's very hard for everybody because the atmosphere is now at a hazardous level of haze and smog and smoke. The season has been more devastating with the bushfires than any season in living memory. I remember when I first actually came to Australia in 1983, I ended up living in Melbourne for about six years, and the first summer that I was here what are now referred to as the 83 bushfires in the state of Victoria, south of the continent. And I'll always remember I was doing some teaching there, and I was in a school, one of these old brick schools from like the early 1900s, elementary school, not dissimilar to the middle school that I went to in Dobbs Ferry, New York. Two stories in height, brick, solid, plaster walls. And I was there. And I remember looking out the window and seeing something that I'd never seen before, which was a wall of thick, gray-black smoke moving like a wave across the city towards where I was. Because what had happened was that the winds had carried smoke from further inland, had carried that smoke from really extensive bushfires that were occurring that smoke was moving across the landscape towards the city of Melbourne. And there I was there, 1983. And that wall started moving <laughs> towards me and all of us shut the windows. It was like, dear listener, I imagine it's what, li- what it would be like experience the apocalypse i dare say that a lot of people are experiencing that now in different parts of the world you know as these conflagrations these fires are engulfing whole communities and bushland certainly here in australia it's happening fast forward now to 2019. I'm back in Australia, living here, this time in Sydney. Beautiful place near the sea. And the reason that I'm not doing this podcast from my favorite (laughs) sandstone rock overlooking the ocean is because of the haze and the smog that makes it very difficult to be outside. But here I get to kind of talk to you, dear listener, and share my thoughts as I'm playing the piano. Children, I want to talk about beauty and I want to talk about what it means to protect those two things. And the way I'm going to sort of enter into this little reflection, dear listener, is to quote, to use actually several quotes. the revered Russian writer, Fyodor Dostoevsky, he lived in the 19th century, just 60 years from 1821 to 1881, you know, not a long, not a long life. A lot of that life was a good part of it, a significant enough part of it, was spent in exile, imprisoned in Siberia under the most horrendous circumstances. And what's amazing to me, dear listener, when I think about that fact and when I think about the quotes of his that I love and have read is that this was a man whose faith in the great unseen force, call that force God, and in the deepest part of who each of us is, call that our deepest humanity, call that beauty, His faith in these things was unshaken, extraordinarily so, unshaken. So the first quote that I'm going to share with you Fyodor Dostoevsky he said the soul is healed by being with children by being with children that is my experience dear listener was reflecting on the teaching that I do. I have 33 children who come to me to learn piano. And I was thinking about it the other day, you know, and I was thinking, well, I feel like what I'm doing really, you know, it's like they are little sort of little race horses, little young horses, you know, young horses. And I'm just allowing them to run, seeing the beauty that's inside of them through the music that they make spontaneously, you know, in duet with me, the music they love, the music they take pride in learning and playing. And I see them now, you know, I've been doing this here in Australia for about a year and a half, and what's amazing to me, part of what's amazing to me is to see the children come, and sometimes they look like they've grown in a week. (laughs) Like I'll see them one week and I'll think, oh my gosh, they actually look taller than they did last week. And something has come and it's coming through them that is more... You know, one could say, older, developed, whatever it is. You know, they begin to seem... I can see their growth, literally, in front of my eyes. Them becoming older children, teens. You know, and on and on. I mean, it's an incredible thing to witness that process of maturation. It's a beautiful thing. But when Dostoevsky said the soul is healed by being with children, you know, it is just so true. They tell me the most wonderful things about their lives, about their experience. They delight in creating their own music at the keyboard and hearing that music played back to them in making drawings of giraffes and zebras and turtles and earthworms of keyboards and waterfalls and the rainbows coming out of the pianos that they're drawing with their own hands. It's just delightful. So what I see, you know, dear listeners, my role is to be someone who, as Dostoevsky said, and this is the second quote, is to see the person as God intended that person. You see? Unfettered, untainted, uncolored by my own agenda, but simply by a liberated sense of appreciation for who that person, who that child really is. And if you think to yourself, how significant and important that is for children to be seen as God intended them, of who they really are, to be seen for who they really are. I feel it's the greatest gift I could give any of the children who come to me is just simply to see them as they are. of preface this by saying that you know dear listener I'm really I'm an idealist for some reason despite whatever the struggles have been in my own life and there have been considerable ones somehow those don't touch the sense that I have of an ideal world I remember when I was working as a journalist and I got an opportunity to interview a woman named Fritzi Manuel and she and her husband who were no, who was no longer alive at that time wrote the definitive book on utopias on the history of utopian thinking human life and human cultural history and they traced the the fact that people from the very beginning of culture had sensed the possibility in whatever form that took of an ideal world of a utopia of heaven here on earth you know he said something really beautiful he said I have seen the truth I have seen and I know that people can be beautiful they can be beautiful and happy without losing the power of living surviving and living here on earth I have seen that truth, he said. It's not as though I had invented it with my own mind. I have seen it. I have seen it. And that living image has filled my soul forever. I have seen it in such full perfection that I cannot believe that it's impossible for people to have it to do it, to be it, to live it, for people to be beautiful and happy and live here on earth. Now, dear listener, that might sound like a sort of interestingly simple statement. But if you think about our lives, about life as we know it, about everything that surrounds us, about all the things that people do and feel and think and how we are often somewhat subtly or not so subtly in fear, you know, for ourselves, for our loved ones, for what one may, you know, for what might happen, we want to bring things to us to shore up our securities. And that makes sense. I can relate to it. But what this man is saying is he says, you know, that people can be beautiful and happy. They can be, in essence, as God intended them to be. And they can be that and live live in that light, they can live in that happiness, they can live in it, they can live in it, they can live in that beauty and happiness and grace, I'll add. So in my little music school, you know, (laughs) I have this humble goal, this humble sort of mission and purpose, which is to give my children the opportunity to allow that beauty and that happiness to flower. What is already inside of them, what God intended for them, what God has placed in them, that seed of beauty and happiness to allow that to flower and flourish. And my underlying conviction, sort of unstated most of the time, you see, they can live in that, they can be that, they can flourish in that way, in those ways, in those beautiful qualities and live on this earth. So what I'm doing in that sense is really kind of a mission for the future because children are our future. They're our future. I think if I can provide them a bit of a, you know, a refuge here, a place where that beauty and happiness, creativity and joy can flourish, maybe they can take that seed of that out and forward into their lives and have a kind of connection to it, to that core, to the core of their beings themselves as God intended them to see themselves to see themselves in the most beautiful 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 way unencumbered there's so much in life that will try and shape and convince us and form us and you know try and over those qualities, something that is simply not of those qualities, others, expectations, culture, education, I dare say. I was blessed to have two parents who were both highly educated and who saw through the limitations of education and the limiting effects that education can have on young people. So I inherited that somewhat radical spirit because I really believed, dear listener, that we will label children this, that, and the other thing, but I'll tell you right now, it's not really the child's Issue as much as it is the environment that the child is trying to survive in is being impacted by the forces, the influences. Children are so sensitive. So I really just believe that, you know, in the primacy of the child, the child's experience, To look at that experience and then say, What is it that's going on here? Why is that child feeling X, Y, or Z, you know? To start with the belief that there is an incredible beauty, and happiness, and truth, and goodness. Each and every one of us from the beginning. So, with that, I'll end with the final quote from Fyodor Dostoevsky, a man who went through living hell, frankly whose faith in the goodness of human beings and the presence of that which is infinite and I'll share with you in the light of everything that I've spoken about here. It's quite powerful. And this is what it is. If they drive God from the earth, shelter him underground if they drive God that which is the most beautiful, ineffable thing and in that one breath dear listener I say if they drive the beauty and happiness and goodness from any person what is our role? What is our purpose? What is What can we do? We can shelter those qualities of that person so they'll be nurtured. To me, that's the self-same thing as saying that we'll shelter God underground we'll shelter and nurture those qualities in each other no matter the ages of any of us you know it never changes from the time when we're just tiny try and drive god from the earth the thing that is the most beautiful will shelter will shelter him will shelter ourselves underground in a protected place we can create that protected place for and with each other